Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. Anxious to talk Titans after they hit the field Wednesday for their opening practice of training camp. We're going to talk about how DeAndre Hopkins changes the vibe and how Kevin Byard helped make it possible for Hopkins to be here. Talk about the growth of the analytics department of the Titans. Uh, want to talk about the end of Barbie, which I missed. Story behind that. And the Titans' biggest issue moving forward. Brought to you by Jaspers. Here we go. DeAndre Hopkins walks onto the field and brings star power to the Tennessee Titans. And they didn't have enough. And really, if you think about it, and we've talked about this plenty because there's been a lot of ramp-up time here. Titans had a massive hole. We're fortunate to fill it with a massive guy, massive talent. Hopefully he's not at the tail end the way many uh, aging wide receivers have been. I've talked already about how body control contested catchers less likely to be a quick drop-off guy than some of the speedier receivers the Titans had come in at the end of their careers. Um, but you certainly feel the star power element and it's not just the media that's feeling it. You know, look, players don't like to get caught up in this sort of thing. Um, but even Kevin Byard was willing uh, to talk about, you know, the kind of change in energy that somebody like DeAndre Hopkins brings when all of a sudden he's part of your locker room and walking on the field for your first practice. Yeah, I mean, the more great players you can have, the better, you know, the better it's going to be. Uh, and obviously the first, you know, the first day out here, he's made some plays made some catches. Uh, it, it definitely brings a different type of energy. But for myself personally, I understand that the work still has to get put in. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, a couple years ago, we brought Julio in and all those guys. Everybody's super excited. But, you know, sometimes, you know, guys deal with injuries and things like that. So for, for me personally, I just try to focus on what I can focus on, uh, trying to get better. And I know and I trust that everybody's going to do the exact same. So it definitely brings a, a, some energy, some confidence. But at the same time, you know, just – playing games on paper isn't going to win anything. we got to put the work in. There's energy and there's confidence, but beware, we actually have to do it. That's saying, look, we had the same thing a couple of years ago with Julio Jones, and it didn't work out. We still have to make sure it works out. Um, you know, that, that kind of goes without saying, but, but it's true. Bayard moved money to make this happen. Um, and it's not the regular restructure. Look, a lot of people, a couple of people said to me, this is the third time he's done it. If he doesn't retire a Titan, you know, they'll have misserved Bayard. If Bayard restructured two times before, and certainly did it once, when you restructure, we go over this time and time again, a typical restructure, you get more money sooner, right? So that they could spread it out for accounting purposes to benefit them. That's not what happened here. Um, he's taking less money sooner. Um, so if he plays for the Titans this year and next year, he'll wind up with the same amount of money. If he doesn't play for the Titans in 2024, he will have given up $3.1 million of, of money, uh, which will hurt him. He'll, take an, he'll have taken a hit. Uh, it's nice that he did this. He didn't have to do it. I don't know what kind of leverage the Titans applied, um, but, um, you know, it's obviously a good teammate kind of thing that he enabled this. How much arm twisting went on from the Titans um, remains to be seen. Uh, this is a favor, though, 
<clears throat> as opposed to things that he's done before, other players do before, restructures, which a lot of fans refuse to acknowledge not doing the team any any favor by taking more money sooner. <clears throat> Excuse me. Julio Jones seemed fragile from the start when he was on the field for the Titans. It was kind of a matter of time before something went wrong with him. Um, you know, doesn't have that feeling with Hopkins. Hopefully not. Ryan Tannehill needs to develop the confidence and rapport with um, with Hopkins, but Hopkins is such a great contested ball catcher. His trustworthiness is off the charts here, and Tannehill talked about that. You have a veteran guy who's, like I said, able to, to get himself open in, in different uh, different situations. So uh, just building that trust on, on knowing all right, when he does have the freedom to, to – create on his own and then when right, I'm expecting you in this window in this timing right so it's a balance of, of being able to use his playmaking ability and, and spatial awareness and all those types of things but then also how does it fit within the picture as a whole right so uh, we're going to be working through that you know throughout uh, throughout training camp but um, no doubt excited to have his playmaking ability as a part of our offense. Hopkins doesn't always get to the spot by the book necessarily but he's renowned for being in the spot you know, um, Titans have to give him some freedom to do that. We'll see what kind of sticklers they are for it. But obviously, Vrabel knows how he operates from having been with him in Houston. Tim Kelly knows how he operates from having been with him in Houston. Um, and and I wouldn't foresee any problems there. This is a, as trustworthy a guy as you're going to find in terms of protecting the quarterback. Either Hopkins is going to catch it or it's not going to be caught the vast majority of the time. <clears throat> Again, based on the way. He fights for the ball in contested catch situations. He's not a giant separation guy. He's not a giant down-the-field guy. I wrote early uh, earlier this week, and you should go read it at pk.com, about how um, this is going to have the influence on Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips because Hopkins has thrived in the slot. He thrived in the slot in 2019 when Tim Kelly was the offensive coordinator in Houston, though he wasn't the play caller. Um, he played a lot in the slot that season, <clears throat> and his production out of the slot was ridiculous compared to his production outside. Titans would like to be able to do that, play him at X, play him at, at Z, at F, <clears throat> and to move him into those spots, Burks and Kyle Phillips have to be flexible enough to move around. So their growth is tied. Uh, Hopkins' flexibility is tied to the growth of those two second-year receivers, and that's a big deal. I want to talk about the Titans analytics department because um, on Wednesday we had a chance to talk to Rand Carthon and Chad Brinker, uh, the other assistant, new assistant GM, um, Anthony Robinson. Um, and so um, Brinker is the assistant GM for strategy. Anthony Robinson is the assistant GM for personnel. And Sarah Bailey is now the football uh, overseas football research and development. Brinker seems like a systems guy. <clears throat> He's a scout who's developed systems, but it's Bailey who's going to run the analytics department and hire other people to be in the analytics department. So uh, there's a logical line of questioning here, you know, about Hopkins. The question is about Hopkins' age and if he's slowing down and how it might impact his game. And he was asked about <clears throat> what the Titans saw from Hopkins, from an analytics perspective that may have gone into their decision 
to sign him and to pay him what they're paying him. And here's what he said about that. Of course, we looked at the analytics. I had Sarah run analytics on him and what that looked like, what his win probability is on the field and how productive he is. We looked at the GPS and all the things that go with it. Yeah, sure. That's all part of the process. But at the end of the day, we get together as scouts. We evaluate the, the tape. We get with Coach Rabel and his staff. We're really excited to have him out here. He's a great player. When he was out there last year, for the time he was out there, he's still making plays. He has a lot of ability. He's going to continue to do good things for us. We're excited to have him. It's still very general talk about analytics from Brinker. Um, and we went on to, to have a, a kind of more expansive question with Brinker about where the team's heading with analytics, which is a hot topic because the Titans have been a slow developing team with regard to analytics. So here's Brinker on. Uh, we're going to use it. And I mean, Sarah and I, and, and, and uh, Allie's coming in to help us a little bit too. Uh, we're going to be creating tools. It's a tool uh, that, that we're going to use to help with coaching staff, to help with the personnel staff, help with the salary cap, sports science, medical. Uh, it, we're just creating tools and, and to help us to make uh, better decisions, more informed decisions. Um, like I said, it's going to be a process, and, and we, we, we do have some tools in place, uh, and we'll continue to build upon those. The alley he mentions is Allie Archer. She's the Amy Adams Strunk woman in sports intern. That's a very broad answer from Chad Brinker. I personally, and I think many fans who are watching and listening to this, are dying for examples of a metric put to use to help make an efficient decision. And they're just not coming. We're impatient for it because it's been such a long wait. What we've heard is some, um, some examples of GPS usage to measure exertion and miles per hour stuff. Uh, Mike Vrabel's gone from third-day jog-throughs to third-day walk-throughs during training camp because they were unable to get receivers from stopping um, to get them to – they were unable to get them to stop running as much as they wanted them to stop running in a jog through. And so now in a walk through, they will stop running on that third day. That seems to be analytically determined based on what they found from GPS and miles per hour and stuff like that. But in a conversation about this that we had in the press box, Nick Suss from the Tennessean very wisely pointed out that, that everything we've heard analytically from the Titans recently and, and probably, you know, well, certainly since Nick's been around, he came last year, but, but even before that has been responsive as opposed to predictive. And, and I think that's what we hear examples of periodically around the league are predictive analytics. This guy is going to be good at this because these metrics are good indicators or these plays aren't don't work in these situations because these things have shown that stuff like that. I'm not expecting that they're going to, you know, come and hand over big data sheets that say that, but a, a small subtle example is like mana for, for the people who have waited for analytics stuff. And so, <clears throat> sorry, this tickle is not going away. It's, it's evident from Brinker. They're in the early stages of building the system. He's talking about the process. I hope as the process is built and as these uh, systems are operational and up and running, 
that they will give us glimmers of uh, glimpses rather of how they're working and what they're showing the Titans. Um, you know, again, not, not uh, state secrets, but small examples of how things paid off and how they're benefiting from the systems that they're installing. Um, I think we're all fascinated and curious by that and eager to see the Titans stacking this on top of um, the good scouting that they do do. We know there's bad scouting, but they've certainly done some good things. And the good coaching that they do do and the development that they do do, where a guy like Tier Tart comes out of nowhere and becomes a substantial player for them. And, um, <clears throat> and the way they use some guys, uh, you know, to their talents very well. It's on Mike Vrabel strength and the way he's won with um, fill in players up till that seven game losing streak last year, despite the injuries or the way they might use some of these things to help injury prevention. <coughs> Rand Carthon did say he talked to people who trained um, with DeAndre Hopkins. That was a part of the scouting DeAndre Hopkins thing. This whole thing, though, everything we've heard has been more scouting, certainly, than it's been analytics, and it should be. But um, we're being told there's going to be a bigger analytics piece. That's still under construction. We wait to learn more about it. I think it would be very cool when it's up and running to learn more about it. I'm brought to you by Jaspers. You can see their fine logo over my shoulder over there if you're watching on on youtube it's a great restaurant a great bar uh on west end avenue near uh on the fringes of downtown free parking huge bonus free game room so you can order some food and go play pop a shot or air hockey um or a variety of other games while you're waiting great drinks great service great appetizers great meals great desserts um <coughs> i recommend the bolognese i recommend the cuban sandwich both really good. It's a good place to stop for a, a business lunch or um, to eat on your own if you have some reading to catch up on. Uh, great place to take your spouse for a um, an evening out away from the kids. Great place to take the whole family out if you guys are due to get out of the house um, and break up the zoo time at home. What I'm saying is it's, it's great for all occasions. I can't recommend it highly enough. Well-located easy uh, to get in and out of, affordable, tasty, everything you're looking for. Can't recommend it highly enough. Jasper's on West End. I advise you strongly to check it out. I was in Lexington, Kentucky, or on the periphery of Lexington, Kentucky, last weekend for the final baseball tournament <clears throat> of a baseball season that never ended for my 13-year-old. It went on far too long, and I've told you, probably far too much about it, but this has been my summer. And um, <coughs> Saturday, we had a pretty early game and a relatively late game in the afternoon. We had like three hours between uh, the end of the first game and when he needed to be at the field for the second game. And so I took he and a buddy to the Barbie movie um, because it was conveniently placed uh, at cool theater and uh, – not cool like Fonzie cool, cool like temperature cool. And uh, <clears throat> I heard good things about it. I thought it would be fun. We uh, went and did our thing at the concession stands. I didn't go to the movies very often anymore. And I really, really enjoyed it. thought it was fun. But we had to leave a little bit early in order to make sure that we were back 
um, when the coach wanted us back. So I need you to DM me about what happens. If you've seen it, uh, and I'm not spoiling anything, as the Barbies were being reprogrammed by the woman from the real world, uh, which was very clever, um, I that's when we slid out. So what happens from there? Um, I need to know. Uh, I'm sure I'll watch it again when it uh, when it hits Netflix or whatever. But until then, I'm in the dark. So uh, drop me uh, drop me a line. Let me know what happens. I thought it was wildly entertaining. I, I don't understand how <clears throat> it like everything has to become some big politically debated thing. It's clever. Clever is good. We should reward clever and applaud clever and ask for more clever. They did a good job with it, and it was uh, smart. It's not smart to have to leave at the end, but look, when you're dying in the heat, you want to get somewhere cool and uh, drink some fountain drinks and eat some popcorn and stuff, it was the good call. I want to finish with a, a conversation about depth, which to me is um, the biggest question on this Titans team moving forward. Now, um, you know, they've got two guys on PUP and Caleb Farley and Dylan Radins. Um, they've got a safety on NFI and uh, they've got a draft pick tight end, Josh Wiley, who, who wasn't at practice on the first day. First off, here's what Rand Carthon says about the Titans depth. I mean, again, I, I feel like for where we are right now, um, I think we have quality depth, you know, all the way around. But, you know, like I'll continue to say, we're going to always continue to look to improve it uh, and always continue to look to add competition at each and every spot. I disagree entirely. I don't think they have quality depth hardly anywhere. And that's why if they get hurt again this year, they're going to be in big trouble. Uh, and they'll be back in the same spot where they're looking for Andrew Adams and uh, and Terrence Mitchell and and people like that, people that Mike Vrabel made work for a long time. But if you go through it, the defensive line, you got Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry and Tierra Tart, which is a fantastic three. But after that, Naquan Jones fell off last year. Jaden Peavy, you know, just won one of the six offseason MVP awards. He's he's growing. But after that, I mean, not not a lot. That's thin. Outside linebacker is atrociously thin. Landry's coming off the ACL repair. Um, Arden Key, those, those are your two guys. You got Weaver after that, whose game is not, you know, well-rounded. You'd like him against the run more than, uh, you know, it's not, not going to be a featured pass rusher by any means. And then you've got guys named Zach McLeod and Caleb Murphy and Thomas Rush, whose whose last name you hope turns into a verb that, that describes what he does well. You can't lose uh, lose one of your top three there, or or you're dead. Your third's not even great. I mean, Rashad Weaver had some moments, but uh, he also disappeared for for a long stretch. Um, you know, cornerback they've survived. And they can survive if, if the front is going strong. But if you lost, um, you know, I'm not counting on anything from Caleb Farley. So if you lost Fulton or Murphy Bunting or McCreary, you know, maybe you'd be all right in the nickel with Molden. But outside, there's not a lot of depth there. guy like Avery can step in, has stepped in. But you can't feel that confident about that depth. Before A.J. Moore re-signed, on Wednesday morning, safety was a big problem. Molden's going to play there, there some. 
Shy Carter going to play there some, but the shaky depth there. The offensive line, you're already scrambling at right tackle with Nicholas Petit Frere's suspension from the gambling policy violation. Jamarco Jones, Jalen Duncan, Andrew Rupsich, uh, OJ. Uh, they, they, they've got trouble there. Quarterback, you're dead without Tannehill. Uh, you know, Willis is making some progress, but you wouldn't want him starting the game. Levis is a long way off. Running back, high hopes for Tajay Spears for sure. Um, they, they ran well without Derrick Henry two years ago for half a season, but their big thing was they were not going to change their identity with Deontay Foreman and uh, Dontrell Hilliard. If the Titans lost Derrick Henry now, I think they would have to change their uh, their identity for Spears and, and maybe Jonathan Ward to be the top two guys. Haskins' future is in doubt. Julius Chestnut is nothing special. Thin there. If if Chigakonkwo went down, they'd be dead at tight end in, in terms of, of production. So where, where's a spot where they could afford an injury? I mean, you could maybe say inside linebacker because if Aziz Al-Shair or Monty Rice goes down, Chase Campbell, you know, we haven't seen yet. He was hurt his rookie year, but he's got good speeds, great measurables. Gibbons played a significant amount last year. Um, you know, they made it work with Dylan Cole, who's gone last year, but there's a plug-and-play example. Um, Luke Gifford, special teams guy who plays there, Ben Neiman. They were plugging guys in last year uh, at, at that position and, and making things work. So, you know, I think you could survive there, but you don't love that list of depth either. So um, they're not great by any means depth-wise. And, <clears throat> you know, I think Carthon maybe saying what he feels like he has to say there, but uh, I think there's room for, for a good deal of turnover at the back end of this roster, depending on what shakes free around the league, throughout the league. Um over the course of uh, of camp and certainly um, with cuts at the end of the month, I don't know how much a sense we'll get as to what's going to happen with the new kickoff rule where you can fair catch anything inside the 25 and get the ball at the 25 that could devalue kick coverage guys and maybe that, that puts a value on um, <clears throat> something else for you. Um, you know, the third quarterback debate is going to go on and on, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Titans deploy Malik Willis and Will Levis in um, in the three preseason games. I won't be surprised at all if we don't see Ryan Tannehill at all, though, you know, it would probably be nice to get him some work in real action with, with Hopkins and behind that line. But, uh, you know, we've said that before and uh, not seen him at all or seen very little of him. So I think safety will be the number one thing for the Titans throughout um, the preseason. And, um, you know, it's pretty cushy life for the Titans now. You know, you go back to the, the good old days, <clears throat> a lot of uh, older football fans would say, where you had those two-a-day practices and everything. And that was, that was life when I started covering the beat. But, um, you know, they're practicing two days and getting the third day in a walkthrough now. You got to be off once a week. And um, and the veterans, I thought this was interesting, don't have to um, 
look at the sheet of paper. I had this written down. The veterans don't have to stay at the hotel. Um, it's optional. So I will ask some guys about what they've chosen to do. I think a lot of guys take uh, in the past when it's been in, in this circumstance, a lot of guys take the room to go over there and sneak a nap if there's downtime during the day, but then they go home overnight uh, to sleep in their own bed, which is a, a preferable, uh, preferable scenario. Uh, but that's uh, a great flexibility. I'm not going to call it a country club by any means. I don't think uh, Mike Vrabel is running country club type operation. It's just a big difference for how much easier things are now as compared to what they once were in camp. And uh, I don't think there's a guy on earth unless he's got a snoring wife um, or uh, an, an infant that's up all night who would prefer to be bound to stay in a training camp hotel than to uh, travel home, sleep in his own bed um, <clears throat> and greet his, his wife and kids or girlfriend or, or bachelor pad or whatever. Um, and be able to, uh, to to be home a little bit. So uh, a little bit shorter episode this week. I appreciate you joining me. We'll be back next week at paulkoharski.com. Mike Herndon has a still very relevant piece about the uh, seven biggest questions to be answered during training camp. You should go read that. Early this week I wrote um, about – the injury situation, the longest piece I've put up at some time all off season. I talked to, uh, to people about the Titans injury situation, including Steve Waterson, the former strength and conditioning coach who talked a lot about how he thinks the, the, the reduction in off season required off season time for players. Um, and not even required that the off season program shrinking has hurt people all around the league and made the job that uh, Frank Perano has, his uh, ultimate successor, very, very difficult. One thing Watterson said that I thought was very interesting is he used to have guys report every single injury no matter what. I guess it was the end of the year or whatever. If you sprained your wrist week two, make sure that's down because you can be here supervised conditioning and rehabbing in a way that you can't if you didn't suffer that injury. Um, and and, and uh that's not a loophole. I mean, it's an honest thing. If you if you had a risk problem, then you're allowed to address that risk problem um, later. And um, it's a helpful thing. But it's amazing. You know, he used to run a 48-week program, he called it. He expected guys to be in the weight rooms uh, lifting and conditioning for everything except the two weeks after the season was over and the two weeks before training camp. Now, he didn't get full attendance for that, but he got pretty good attendance for a lot of that during a lot of his time as the coach. Now, the offseason, the official offseason program is nine weeks long. So uh, that offseason time, he thinks, has a huge bearing, and, and you're only allowed outside of the OTA days um, to be there four hours a day. He thinks that strength and conditioning coaches don't, have enough time to get their hands on guys. And that's part of it. But he also called what's gone on with the Titans the last two years, a blip. If there's a third blip in a row though, you know, gotta be some changes made, even if it's just for changes sake, I would say, I wish you a good week. Please come to paulkoharski.com, read everything, $5.99 a month, a steal at that price. Um, it's your team, and you want to know everything there is and every angle, and I've got one of the most unique angles you're going to find. In the meantime, don't block the box, and be sure, please, please, 
unlock your life.